0: Well, it's no secret, um, I'm sure most of you have heard, unless you happen to walk in for the first time um, today, that we are having a, what we call a church conference. Uh, it's at 2 p.m. And all members of our church, and just so you know, including those uh, who, are, uh, who have been through confirmation, who are full members of the church, uh, are going to have an opportunity to cast a vote. And that vote is going to be about whether or not um, the church should stay United Methodist, or whether or not it should disaffiliate from the United Methodist Church. And there's a lot of information out there uh, that you can obviously find to help you make that decision. Um, and there's some things which we have a lot of clarity on, and then there's some things in which uh, there, there are actually a good many unknowns about what the future holds. Um, and that's why we had six nightly sessions. We have what we call our Way Forward Committee, uh, and they had six nightly sessions, which are Way Forward um, meetings. And we met as a congregation, and we talked about the future implications of, um, of the way it could go either of these paths, and you can view those on our website. And I just want to personally thank those who uh, were on that committee. I especially want to say thank you to Stacey Brandon, who was the chair. I really believe she led with integrity, and so thank you very much to that committee. Um, I could certainly spend the sermon this morning, and I'm going to read a lot of what I've written because I spent a lot of time thinking about it. I could, could certainly spend this morning talking about uh, my personal opinions about how you should vote uh, and there are other clergy could do that, too And that's tempting uh, because we have strong opinions and I'm sure you guys probably have strong opinions, too um, But I never want to get ahead of where God is leading me uh, And I spent a good bit of time praying about what to say this morning to uh, this portion of our congregation You know, I'm one of uh, several associate pastors in this church And I fall underneath the authority of the senior pastor here, and always want to respect that, and always want to respect the work of the other clergy. And I don't want to circumvent any of the work that the Way Forward Committee has done by getting up and using this as a platform to um, persuade you uh, in one way this morning. My thoughts are that you all have been given ample information and ample time um, to come and talk with me if you wanted to do that at this point. Uh, And so, as I said last week, no matter how the vote goes, uh, my family and I will be preaching the gospel, loving on people, caring on people, and making disciples. The one thing I will say this morning is that when a church or denomination begins to consider straying from the things that have been taught as truths throughout church history, it can get really messy. It's just going to be divisive. We're divided because some of the very things that have united us throughout history are now being debated. No matter what your opinion on it is, you must agree that we're now debating things that we've agreed on for some 2,000 years of church history. There's always been theological debate in the church, if you know anything about church history. Uh, Since its inception, it's ended in fractions, divisions, new denominations, new churches. And you have to decide what's important to you. You have to decide what are you willing to divide over if you're in a church. Churches have divided over spiritual gifts. they divided over baptism. they divided over eschatology, soteriology. They've even divided over the color of the carpet. So you have to decide what's important enough to you as a church or uh, as a group um, or, or as an organization, what's important enough that you feel strongly enough about Um, That you would divide over because the truth is if you would divide over any and everything you would divide after every single committee meeting that we have at church Uh, Because there's lots of opinions in every committee. I can promise you that So what I want to do today is I'm going to rise above the vote for a minute I'm going to talk about something at a little bit of a higher level. I want to talk to you about how you and I are witnesses during this process about how we handle this situation over the course of the next few months and about how we respond to the outcome of the vote today no matter what it is. Um, Not just today, but in the months to come and throughout um, our lives together. Because you and I will have an opportunity to respond to the outcome of this vote today. Uh, We hear the results. Some of the issues that we're facing have torn other denominations completely in two. Definition of a witness is someone who's seen or experienced something, has been changed by it, and now gives evidence to it. People are going to witness how we respond. Christians are going to witness how we respond. And non-Christians are going to witness how we respond to this as a church. I've witnessed a lot personally over the course of the past few, or almost really probably about a year, from our own church community. Passion, hope, disappointment, anger, frustration, unity disunity, exhaustion, abandonment, commitment, confusion. And if I were to tell the story, sometimes I ask myself, how would I tell the story about what we've been through? Um, Have we done it in a godly way? Have we done it in a loving way? Have we done it in a way that gives witness to who Jesus Christ is? Like somebody who witnessed an event, how would you tell it? Like somebody who witnessed something on the news, how would you tell how our church has responded to this uh, disagreement within the Congregation, Were things done in love. Do we disagree in love? How will it be told? You see, if the media gets a hold of this, which it will, it'll tell it in a certain way. But you have much more power than the media. So how will you tell the story? How will you tell it to your friends, and your neighbors, and those who really care about our church? When I came to this church eight years ago, I remember standing up for my first sermon, and I had read in preparation for my appointment here. I read um, the history book of Bunkham Street, and I remember standing up and I said, "Guys, I said I pray that during my time here, this is the best chapter of the Bunkham Street history book that's ever been written." That's still my prayer. I don't want to be part of the worst chapter. I don't want um, my name to be in a portion of the book that where the name of the church is defamed. Just because there's conflict doesn't mean that you and I have to defame the name of the church or of Christians. You know, Christ died for all of us, regardless of our opinions. He died for all of us. So when you join the church, you're asked this question. As members of this congregation, will you faithfully participate in its ministries by your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness? And I don't know if you guys know this, but the word witness wasn't actually added to it until around 2008. To our, our book of uh, worship and i was thinking about it and i guess that's because if you know you can pray you can show up you can give and you can serve but if you don't love one another like jesus did does it really matter the one thing i try and remember personally when i deal with a hard-headed stubborn disagreeable church member who has a theology Differing from mine is that before we started talking about theology and our differences They were there for me in this church and I was there for them You see before all this happened. We were all in the discipleship trenches I don't know if you can remember this but we were in the discipleship trenches of burying family members Baptizing children figuring out how to reach people for Jesus. Anybody remember those times? There was a time when we were focused on the mission together and I miss those days when Sunday school classes were filled and we were having a thousand people in attendance and we were having communion every week and we were really being a church. It was, that was back before I labeled somebody as a progressive or as a conservative or somebody as part of the friends group or part of the legacy group. We were just a church. We were just a body of believers that were working uh, towards the kingdom. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a time where disagreements are important enough um, to the point to where they're affecting the mission of the church and, and the church may need to consider dividing. I personally believe that's, this is one of those times. Um, what we're doing is necessary that we could not avoid these conversations and eventually all this is going to catch up with us. So we, we really had to have these conversations. I guess what I'm saying is I personally think sometimes division is inevitable. You know, couples, sometimes you you don't ever want them to get a divorce, but sometimes some things have happened. You go, man, you know, we might have to start talking about that. But I remind you, this is not the Hatfields and the McCoys. This church is full of people who love Jesus and have been there with each other through some incredibly difficult and amazing times. Don't forget who showed up to the funeral of the person you loved, of your loved one. Don't forget... Who was there when you were diagnosed with cancer, regardless of whether they were progressive or conservative. I walked into the hospital last week and this hit me. I walked in the room and and nobody, nobody, I I think I did three visits last week in the hospital. and, And none of them stopped me at the door and said, wait a minute, before you come in, I want to know your theology. Nobody, nobody asked me that. I want you to hear me. Theology is very, very important. There are theological beliefs that I would die for. I would literally lay down my life for some of my theological beliefs and the core tenets of my faith. There are things that I would leave people over and loved ones over without question. I mean, after enough discussion and disagreement, it becomes a hindrance to the mission. But separation, if it's done, has to be done in love. And why is that? Well, that's what Jesus told us to do. It's not an option. I've had some of the hardest conversations over the last six months. Hopefully you have. Hopefully you haven't buried your head in the sand or hid behind emails or hid behind social media. And hopefully you've talked to the people that you love that you disagreed with and who differed from you. And in those conversations, a lot of times I had to speak truth and it was hard to speak truth to somebody because not everybody wants to hear the truth. But I always try to do it in love and it was usually amicable. But some people think loving people means that you don't share the truth because the truth hurts. So they avoid it. But then there's other people who share truth, but don't do it in a loving way. They whack you over the head with it. And and that's not what Jesus calls to do. Neither of those are correct. You see, we're the church. We are Christ's body. When asked what's the greatest commandment, Matthew 22, 37 through 40, Jesus said this. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Now listen to that. Love the Lord you got with all your heart, mind, soul. Second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So greatest commandment greatest commandment, regardless of our theological opinions. We've got to love one another. But this scripture doesn't relieve us from being truth bearers. We're still called to uphold the truths of scripture, to be proclaimers of the truth that Jesus said would divide us. And Jesus said the truth would divide us. Jesus always calls division, by the way. People used to argue over, over truth when Jesus was alive, and they still argue over what Jesus said today. But our proclamation of truth doesn't excuse us from how we treat each other. I want to tell you about a really important moment in history. It's in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus was crucified He died and he was buried, and before he ascends to heaven, this is what he says. Acts 1-8, really, really important moment in history. He says, but you will receive power. Listen, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses, listen, witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He says that power will come on you, the same power that Jesus had, power to heal, power to redeem, power to restore, power to forgive. He said all those things, he said, the power of the Spirit is going to come on you. And that is the way that you will be witnesses. The only way that we will be good witnesses of who God is and the love of Jesus Christ through this is by the power of the Holy Spirit. Does anybody agree with that? It's only by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, This, by the way, is not a battle of progressive and conservative theology. It's it's not a battle over marriage or over ordination. I I believe this is a, a spiritual battle. All of us. I mean, we're all sinners, and, and, and Satan has just worked his way in, in the doors of the church. See, the Bible says that there is this battle going on that sometimes we're not aware. It's the battle of the flesh and the spirit, and it says in Galatians 5, 16 through 18, it says, so I say, walk by the spirit, and you will not gratify, gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. In other words, the Spirit and the flesh are in this battle. We're all sinful, and we all need Jesus desperately. All of us. It's not just a holy group and an unholy group or whatever. We all need Jesus. We're all unholy without Jesus to stand in the gap for us. God is going to take care of all of us. You all know that, right? I mean, it's okay to have a peace. God is going to take care of us. He promises us that. I learned a lesson early on in my Christian walk as a pastor. And uh, I witnessed people fighting within the church, and people have always fought within the church. I mean, that's just church people. That's just you, you're with people, and they argue over things. And I, and, and I, I learned a lesson that you got to sometimes just let God fight for you. See, you never want to go in front of God. You see, you share what you believe and you love people, but if you believe strongly in something enough, you just let God go in front of you. Let Him, if you're here today and you believe that you're in the right, if you have a side, trust Him. Trust in Him. He is God. I mean, He loves us. We get really caught up in our human efforts. We get ahead of God and Sometimes I think we just need to remember that he's the miracle worker. Exodus 14, 13 through 14, Moses answered the people and said, do not be afraid, stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you today. The Egyptians you see today will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. This is for God's people. I remind you today not to hold too tightly onto the building, wherever you fall in all this. Um... These are bricks. They don't save you. The Bricks won't be there for you. The bricks didn't die for you. I personally have a lot invested here in this building. My family went here uh, 60 plus years. I'm third generation Buncombe Streeter. But buildings fall and they crumble. And Jesus Christ never crumbles. And he never falls. Endowments don't save you. Denominations don't save you agencies, universities, no matter who they're affiliated with, UMC, GMC, whatever, they don't save you. The Lord saves you. It's the Lord who saves you. Buncombe Street is not the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. My prayer is when it's over, and we all walk away from this, that we walk away in love whenever that is. That everybody walks away loving one another. So many people have said publicly and posted on social media and websites, I've seen people say, you know, that that they'll walk away if things don't go the way that they want them to. And I understand that. uh, But but do it in love. Remember, your first calling is to love God and to love neighbor. Whatever the next chapter is, navigate it in love. And we should still be there for each other, all of us, no matter what. Whenever something hits the fan, you should be there for another person, regardless of their theology. We're called to love each other first. So anyway, vote today. But don't put your hope in the vote. Put your hope in Jesus. Last few things that I'll say. um, I've been preaching and pastoring in this church for uh, eight years now. And um, I think it'd be irresponsible if I didn't say a couple of the things I'm about to say as just a teacher of God's word. You know, the Bible says that one day I'll have to stand before God and answer to him. I don't know if you all know that. It says that teachers and preachers will be held more accountable than everybody else for what they teach and what they preach. And as a shepherd and somebody who loves you and somebody who's gotten up every single week and preached to, you all have heard a lot of sermons, 50 sermons a year times eight years. That's a lot of sermons. And uh, I'd be remiss not to say a final warning during a time like this where your pastor, your church can be so greatly affected. Um. My family's personal navigation through all of this has been through the Scriptures. Scriptures are the lens through which we decipher what's the best decision for us. Never compromise the Scriptures. Never do that. No matter what culture says, don't compromise. Don't be part of an organization that does. I don't care if it's UMC, GMC, Baptist, Presbyterian, non-denominational. Nothing's changed in our book of discipline officially. Um, So... I'm, there are some outliers we can point to and, and say they haven't had much accountability, but almost everybody agrees that some things are going to change in the United Methodist Church in 2024. This is not a speech for. I'm just telling you everybody agrees with that. And this church is going to have to make some big decisions at some point, at one point or another, about what it does believe, about the interpretation of Scripture. Uh, maybe nothing will change in 2024, but that's one thing almost every party agrees will change. Um, so, I guess i just say that to say this church is going to have to cross a bridge at one point or another. And I know in light of the direction the UMC is headed, unless there's some significant change very quickly, uh, my family will eventually be disaffiliating from the United Methodist Church because we abide by the scriptures. Um, You have to make your own decision about what you will do, um, and it's tough. But stand up for what's right. You have to make that decision in your family. I love all of you. Today's going to be a hard day. It's a tough day for the church. But love each other. Care for each other. It's who we're called to be. It's the first and it's the greatest commandment. So I'm going to invite you to come forward and just to pray. Um, sorry I'm not jumping around today like I normally am. My heart is heavy, but I know yours is too. But I'm also excited in some ways. Um, I told people it's kind of like a surgery today. Uh, you've been thinking about a surgery. You've been waiting on a surgery. And the day the surgery gets there, you're ready to get the surgery done. Um, so we don't know what happens after day either way, but um, I thank you for who you are, and I thank you for loving this church, and I thank you for being here. So let's pray. Father God, we, um, we know this is a tough day. It feels like we're in a bit of, bit of an impasse, but we just ask you to help us. This is your church. Your word says the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You brought us here for such a time as this. Just ask that you help us to do what's right. May we never compromise, Lord, um, the truth of your word. May we always love one another. Uh, May we always seek to love you and discern, Father, in all that we do. Thank you for giving me um, the opportunity to be here in this church and to speak to each of these people today, Lord. I pray that that my words, Father, have been from the Spirit and have been from a place of love and care for a people that you have entrusted me um, to preach and to teach to, Lord. I Know that one day, Father, we will all stand before you and nobody will be there beside us. Um, No pastors. No friends, no wife or husband or children, no other Christian to speak on our behalf. It's just us and you. And So I just pray that we are faithful. I pray that I have been faithful today. And I thank you, Jesus. We love you. We're going to come and just pray for our church. I ask you to bless this time. And bless us all, Father, this afternoon as we meet together as a family and have our church conference. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The whole church said,